Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Tink Chat. Uh, my name is Eugene, I'm your co-host, and we've got Andy beside me. Hi guys. So, uh, we wanted to talk uh, to you guys um, today with regards to a bit of a return to normal Tink Chat topics. Yeah, um, so more about the industry, what's happening, the direction it's going to, and what tinkering is aiming towards as well. Yeah, and I think Tink Chat has always been a little bit about exploratory of industry. Yeah. And we're evolving the topics as we yeah. go. Um, it's also about how the industry is you know, evolving. And yeah. we saw the industry evolve quite really fast with COVID. And so we yes. covered that quite a bit. But mm. I think if you look into the general media and humans and uh, behavior over the last, I would say, like a month and a half or so, uh-huh. I like to call it there is this phenomena called COVID fatigue. Yeah. It's just there's so much information about COVID that they don't want to hear it anymore. Yeah. Uh, but don't get us wrong. It's here. It's, it's still be, here. It's, it's still be here relevant. For a little bit. Um, um, and until like a vaccine or something comes through, um, everyone should be cognizant of, at least top of mind, that yeah. COVID is still here. And so uh, we don't want to distract from that, but yeah. we thought that, you know what, given the landscape of just people wanting to know what's going on, we ought to go back to what Tink Chat was really originated yeah. for. And it's a conversation about the industry. It's a conversation about what we are doing. Mm-hmm. It's a conversation. It's a, bit, it's a bit of an insight through a conversation between the two of us yeah. uh, with the general direction of, number one, where the company is going, where the industry is going. Really cool things we're seeing, yep. and sharing that information with you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and by the way, this mask keeps falling off on me. But yeah, um, something we'll probably have to get used to. Yeah, and then the fogging of the glasses. I yeah. can't stop that. No matter what we try, I've even applied anti-fog on these, yeah. and maybe the coating on the glasses is what prevents the anti-fog mm. from staying. So, um, let's talk a little bit about uh, today's topic. Yeah. Um, it's going to be about production of things 2.0. I've hinted to it in some of the news releases that and, we put out. Mm-hmm. And I think for the last episode as well, but we never really clarified on what this production of things 2.0 is. So this is this is ideology that uh, Tinkering came up with, well, mm-hmm. Eugene came up with, and, um, and something that Tinkering will go forward with. Yeah, I think I have the pleasure of coming up with some of these visions and directions of the company and and it's it's something that is based off of what we're seeing in the market Mm -hmm. right um production of things 2.0 looks at what how things are made and the way things are typically made up until this point in the manufacturing cycle has been design something engineering something on the computer and doing a bit of prototyping just to ensure that it kind of fits your need and then going to scale production Yes. Right. But as things start to move and as the world starts to change, I think we're going to start to see companies that want to do this more uh, with more agility, uh, with yeah. lower risk and capital involvement mm-hmm. and investment. And then uh, if there is a market that can actually fit the idea, mm-hmm. then put the capital investment behind that to scale it to the level yeah. that they want. And businesses will do this to various degrees. Yeah. Um, sending out the prototyping to another facility, mm-hmm. getting the prototype back, doing a couple of iterations, and then, and then eventually get to a point where they're making the molds. But then the molds 
take a couple iterations to get yeah. right. Yeah. And so if they can design it right to begin with, you save number one a lot of capital mm-hmm. cost. And then number two, you save a lot of time, time. to market. Time. Yeah. Right. So production of things looks for advanced manufacturing technologies like 3D printing and robotics mm-hmm. to put an increased efficiency in the system. Efficiency, control, and time to market. Yeah, time to market. Um, but it also looks to shift a big portion of the attention over to the design process and the agility of the design process. Yes. I mean, we've done that in-house ourselves. Yeah. Um, we get to see the process, but for mm-hmm. us, we feel like it's the norm. Yeah. I think in the wild, it's actually not. But no. it's going to transition more and more towards that because well, even when we were testing the markets for any of the PPE stuff that we were making, the design process was what led the agility. Yes. And if we never had access to any of these technologies, we couldn't, couldn't have done that. I mean, I mean, we went through, what, nine, nine iterations just on our face shield? I think nine that we actually posted about. And yeah. there was a couple of like 8.1, 8.2 that yeah. was in there that we, we could do within an hour or two yeah, that this, we never showed. This was in a span of a couple of weeks. Like or even just a week. Yeah. Yeah. And and with traditional manufacturing, we probably wouldn't have been able to pull that off. It would have taken us at least a month or two months before just just the back and forth between shipping um, the prototypes back to us and then reiterations on the designs and then going back to manufacturing. And yeah, with, yeah. would have lost time, would have lost opportunity costs and all those things. Yeah. Uh, production of things. 2.0 talks a lot about leveraging technology to do the yeah. the work. And to, you know, they, they say that technology has always been an enabler of doing things. Mm-hmm. And then also as a way to make efficiencies yeah. uh, or find efficiencies in, yeah. in the operations of, of the company or the, or the, the system. But it also looks at not just the technology side, yeah. it looks at the logistics side. Can uh-huh. we make decentralized entities or, or places within the company mm-hmm that looks for its logistical distribution. Yes. So imagine if a company has got two branches or has a couple of distribution locations and they can send the file directly to the other place mm-hmm. without manufacturing anything. Yeah. And the manufacturing stays at the closest hub to the endpoint. Yeah. So you're only now dealing with one segment of the shipping, Yeah. which for a lot of people that don't know, a lot of times that get transferred over to the end consumer. Yes. So. Efficiencies in transportation, efficiencies in design, efficiencies in manufacturing. And then the other, the last component is really in the form of solving real life challenges with partners. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have been able to do any of the stuff that we did in the, uh, the biomedical side of the things without consulting the nurses and the yeah. doctors and the hospitals and the clinics and going all the way into the dental industry where we yeah. found quite a lot of success mm-hmm. with our product. Yeah. Um, that feedback, that partnership mm-hmm. drove 80% of the process. Yeah. Uh, and then the final product at the end was what came out of it. Yeah. Right? So production of things 2.0 looks to do those things, but with advanced technologies. Yeah. And it looks to get those technologies in the hands of not just education, which is where yeah. we typically have been putting our focus, but into the SMEs in North America. Mm-hmm. Um, up until this point, only large-scale companies, the Nikes, yeah. the NASAs, um, any of those large companies, the, the access to the various different advanced manufacturing techs. So 3D printing in, in plastic, 3D yeah. printing in resins, 
Yeah. And then ultimately, 3D printing in metal mm -hmm. uh, has only been locked up to the, the lowest well, of well, There's a high, very high uh, cost barrier to get into these, right? Yeah. For small and medium businesses, it's probably not a... They, they probably don't have the capital to actually start this up. And this yeah. has always been a barrier for 3D printing, uh, right? With the powder and all those um, more expensive, as you said, higher technology. That, that's always been the case. Yeah. They can't get into it, so that's why they haven't even thought about, oh, maybe this can actually smooth out my manufacturing process or something right. like that, yeah. or make something more efficient. Yeah, and we did we did do a little bit of digging yeah. into this whole entire side, and, and that's kind of been where the, the, the arrow is pointed to from yeah. Tinkering's perspective. Mm -hmm. Production of Things 2.0, leveraging, number one, where we know best, which is 3D yeah. printing. Yeah. Starting from the FDM side, going to the metal side and then looking at how resin fits into this yeah. overall ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a good um, streamlined process here, going yeah. from prototype to end-use product, like gears yeah. and metal components, mm -hmm. Bugatti's uh, calipers and, and et cetera. And we did some digging, and there's, a, there's actually a couple companies already doing this, yeah. um, a bit significantly larger scale. Yes. And so, um, BMW is one of those. I think BMW yeah. has a branch called the iVentures. That's what their they do, yeah. investment side looks yeah. like. And um, we found an article that is pretty, it's actually fairly recent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, it was, I think, um, in the past two months or so. Yeah. Um, they actually invested 10 million euros into additive manufacturing. Right. In, in their manufacturing plants. Yeah, and I think what they're looking to do is. Um, start to fold additive manufacturing, 3D printing into the actual yeah. line of their manufacturing. Yeah, so I, I think I was reading an article, it was really to, uh, for lack of a better word, test out the waters to see how well additive manufacturing will actually um, work inside their current workflow. Right. And would it actually be beneficial? Would it be would it disrupt them, um, the, the normal process that they have? And yeah, so this whole venture is just, just to go down that route to see how well this technology will fit in. Yeah, and I think it probably has a decent amount of metal additive, yeah. powder-based materials in that, uh, given that their application is vehicles, which are usually yeah. made of metals, fairly complex metal yeah. structures. Yeah. And composites, actually. BMW is known a lot for their composites, um, carbon fiber, plastics, and stuff uh -huh. that they've built. And so imagine that agility of design, if that's mm -hmm. what they're looking to do, or just-in-time manufacturing, that's yeah. also another efficiency with yeah. additive technologies or yeah. 3D printing. And how, if they can actually fold that in, um, the amount of customization they can actually now do for their customers. Yes. Uh, the strength of 3D printing is not a huge volume, mm -hmm. unless you have a lot of units yeah. uh, in, the, in, the, in the facility. But if they could do that and it adds operational efficiency, I think that article talks about its operational efficiency that they're looking yep. to do. It, it actually mentioned that if this goes well, if this um, venture into additive manufacturing actually goes well in their manufacturer uh, process, it could actually reduce the cost by 50%. I mean, that's significant. Yeah, that's, right. that's literally from an 80 grand card could be produced in 40 grand. Yeah. I mean, now just think about that for a second, right? If if they want to pass the cust the savings over to the customer, yeah. 
that's a lot of value yeah. they're getting. But if they didn't want to pass that savings over, mm-hmm. um, and they instead wanted to add additional value, yeah, do you imagine all the tech and stuff that they can add into that? Yeah. Or uh, the profits that are not yeah. being doped into the product, right? So um, I think it's really cool to start to see some of these uh, changes. And number yeah. two thing too is at the landscape of supply chain changes around the world, mm-hmm. being able to do just in time the product manufacturing, yeah. how awesome could that be? Yeah. Right. So um, that makes a lot of sense, I think, from BMW side. And I think they're mm-hmm. doing this the right way. They're setting up a small line to, to, to do the testing. To test it out, yeah. And then... Um, when they work out the kinks within their workflow uh-huh. to be able to then deploy it to everyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, we, we really looked at uh, where the industry is going. And yeah. for us, powder-based metal printing is... Seems to be where the industry is yeah. trending towards. There was, I was reading this 2019 um, report on 3D printing. Um, and... It is apparently totally moving to metal powder 3D printing, as in there's a projected growth rate of like 28% from 2020 to 2027. I have a theory as to why that is though. Uh, Well, yeah. And we've we've seen it, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So plastic printing is great, but it's ultimately still plastic. Yeah, they're still weak um, because there's the inherent layers and also it's weak to heat. Yeah, and I think if you look at, I define it as high application products. So calipers, metal components, gears, single body body rocket thrusters, whatever you're looking at that is really high application, it's mostly durable materials. Yes. And within the 3D printing space, we have plastics like Altum and Peak, which are really high engineering plastics, Mm -hmm. but they're still plastics at the end of the day. I mean, they can withstand like 450 degrees Celsius yeah. heat, um, but they still have the inherent layering issue that you just yes. mentioned. Whereas with powder-based materials, when you actually melt it, you get a porous, solid part. Yes. Um, the porosity may actually be a negative in some situations, mm-hmm. but it's still a very durable part. Yeah. And so when you build material, and when you have material that then can be used for end application, mm-hmm. whether that be in a car or the interior of a car, or a coffee press or whatever. Yeah. You end up with a use case that is much greater than what the actual technology can achieve. It's now about what yes. they can make at the end of the day versus yeah. what the technology is. Yeah. Right? And the industry is to the point, I think, now where COVID showed that the technology can be made for a whole bunch of stuff. Yes. In the biomedical industry, of mm-hmm. course. But if it can happen in the biomedical industry, it can yeah. also happen Anywhere everywhere else. else. Yeah. Um, the key is materials. Yes. And that's why powder-based materials are becoming such a prevalent thing. I mean, yeah. even resin, resin-based materials too are very strong. Yeah. They're seen as one com- complete object with no yes. layers in between. Uh, and it almost has a finish like injection molding. Yeah. So yeah. if you hold the two parts together to the trained eye, you can probably see the difference. Yeah. But to the average person, it probably looks the same. It'll look the same. And probably the 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 strength of the material is probably just just as strong as injection molding. Yeah, and then now you add in the complex shape. Yeah, I mean Something stuff that, that we couldn't make. Yeah, injection molding couldn't make because of 
just the inherent limitations. Yeah. But 3D printing can allow you to print organic shapes, something that it's more natural. Or more complex. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, saving material and saving time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So when we looked into the powder material a little bit, what we ended mm -hmm. up seeing was a trend towards metal-centric powders. Mm -hmm. um, though keep in mind that uh, plastic powders yeah. also exist. So the two technologies yeah. are different. So you have selective laser sintering typically for plastics. Yeah. And then you have selective laser melting for um, the other technology for melting uh, metals is EBM, so electric beam melting. Mm -hmm. um, those are very particular to, to metals. Yeah. And we saw a very interesting graph where I think titanium was like 65% of the market. Yeah. Right. It accounted for the revenue, 65% of the uh, powder revenue right. in 2019. And that's actually quite a bit. Yeah. But if you look at it, titanium has a very, it's high, very strong, yeah. high, high melting point. It's very light as yeah, a material. Yeah, very light. And um, it's actually really hard to machine as normal. on a traditional CNC. Yeah. So yeah. if you can actually fuse the thing, it gives possibility yeah. for um, machining that's, well, it's mm -hmm. not machining, but additive manufacturing. Yeah. That does not involve a drill bit going into something yeah. or a milling bit going into something and then potentially wearing it down and needing to be replaced. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and I think we also saw aluminum uh, yeah, being a big aluminum. part of that. Um, well, you see, aluminum is a very flexible material, and you see that in cars, you see that yeah. in cans, you see that in everything. Yeah. Um, so it is pretty popular. It's, I, I believe it was the second most popular in, in the powder industry right now. Right. And then the last one was nickel-based um, hmm. ones, which I actually didn't know what what it would be used for, but then the article was suggesting that it will actually you can actually use it in marine oil and gas and aerospace and all those right. things, um, which I thought it would be, you'd probably be looking at aluminum and titanium or being more stronger metals and just... You know what, I think any metals will be yeah. strong, right? So... Well, it'll be stronger than plastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we have seen other uh, materials, I mean, we're just talking about traditional metals here. Yeah. Um, but we haven't even ventured into the area of composite metals or composite yes. powders yeah um we saw a couple of years back uh a nylon aluminum composite mm -hmm. where you could sls so you yes. laser sensor it like plastic yeah. but it has aluminum powders in it unique yeah. material unique characteristics but that's that was just the start of things yeah um i mean imagine what kind of doors that would open for additional things in the future mm -hmm. um that we we don't know today. Yeah. And it will only come as those materials come about and as we develop more of those materials yeah. to be able to make applications that then can take mm -hmm. advantage of the, the characteristics that those things can offer. Yeah. Right. And as more businesses actually adopt this technology, then we'll see a lot more unique designs or unique methods of applying this technology to make their product. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But before that, probably as the article that I was reading, there was there was a critic that was saying that with 3D printing, a lot of the, the, the thing that holds 3D printing back is not a lot of people fully understand the te technology to actually use it to its full potential. Right, right. So that was one of the, the, the drags. I think what's quite interesting about the 3D printing industry in particular mm -hmm. is that we spend a lot of time talking about the technology yeah. and not spend a lot of time showcasing applications skills. or what oh. people can do okay right so think about the pc industry for a second let's yeah. use a bit of analogy 
the PC industry talks about the specs and the speeds and the RAM and all that stuff. Yeah. But if you look at the actual marketing of it, mm. it's about how you can use it to consume media, how you can use it to play games, yeah, how you can use it to increase your workflow yeah. in terms of a professional setting. Yeah. How much easier is it going to make your life in Excel and Word and all that stuff, yeah. right? We are in a weird space for the industry because we continue to talk about what the technology is. Yeah. But there isn't a lot of talk about what can be done. What can be done. And yeah. what can be made. Because it is a technology platform. It is a tool. Mm-hmm. So it should focus on that. Yeah. Right? Um, it's a really weird market in regards to that. Uh-huh. But I think over time, as more of these technologies mature, as our mm-hmm. own technology matures, um, as more materials come into the forefront of yeah. things, the discussion naturally will shift towards what it is that people are making versus what, can... what it is that we're making. Yeah. Which is the printers and the technology itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is actually really cool uh, and what we found is an article about uh, uh, the transitioning of skills development. Yes. Especially given that COVID has mm-hmm. hit lately. Yeah. And um, what is actually, and I think Andy, you're going to pull up an article uh, on the screen here uh, really yeah. shortly. So this article talks about uh, how developing more skills. Yeah, or more advanced skills. Or more within, advanced skills. Yeah, within was, the, the market. And this particular article was US centric. It was yes. from uh, New York Times. Yes. And um, it looks at how the North American labor market really is going to shift mm-hmm. over time. Yeah. It's going to involve more skilled labor. It's going to be more automation. It's going to be mm-hmm. more about um, advanced skills that people are going to have yeah. in those areas versus the traditional manufacturing yeah. um, of well, of the tech mm-hmm. or, or, or the product, right? We're no longer going to be carving things by hand or folding yeah. things by hand. We're going to have machines to do these things for us. Yes. And it's going to be more about design. It's going to yeah. be more about the machine maintenance. It's going to be more yeah. about understanding those workflows. Which and, is, yeah, which is what we're probably going to see in BMW iVentures is a lot of more automation. Yeah. Less people actually fiddling around and putting parts together. And probably be hiring more people to actually main, maintain the uh, maintain the machines, know how to use the machines, and probably like that instead. Yeah, I think that's happening today, actually. Right? If you look at car yeah. manufacturers for you know Tesla or, yeah. or Toyota or any of the car manufacturing yeah. facilities, I mean, it's mostly robotic. Yes. And it's mostly running 24-7. Yes. Uh, and then you have the, 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 the human group that goes yeah. in and they're operating the minute fine detail stuff. Yes. Right? So, I mean, places like BMW and even Mercedes or even some of those, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining it's also in Porsche. Mm-hmm. Uh, the places in which the re- repetition, the repetitive yeah. tasks, that's already done by robots. Robots, right? yeah. Where humans are good at are the things that are more... Human, yeah, intricate and human centric, or or it's too fine detail for the robots to be able to do. I'm sure one day robots will be able to replace that as well. Yeah, but businesses are changing. Yeah, and the article talks about how the change doesn't just come from the public sector. Yeah, but it should be also coming from the pull from the business sector, the private sector. sector, Yeah, and a good example is a company. I forgot if they're in Australia or New Zealand. I think they're offshore somewhere. Yeah, um, that is a they make camera equipment. Mm-hmm. 
and they made a dolly the things that you put your camera on top and you can do panning shots you can move with it and everything yeah. um, while it's stabilized and everything so just yeah so they made that product um and they went two routes they yeah. went the one route which is we're going to machine these components out of aluminum yeah and we're going to sell it to you uh with aluminum components and then the hardware kit so the bearings the screws the, yeah. the, the, the wheels and stuff and you have to assemble it but it's yeah. an aluminum part yeah uh, and then the second business model is we're going to sell you the digital files mm -hmm. and the hardware components so you can print it at home yourself on your 3d printer yeah. with whichever material you have and then the bearings and the bolts yeah. and the screws and stuff like that so the poll is coming from the business side to look at if, the, if this transition can actually happen mm -hmm. then they can actually invest more into the designers the engineers the those with higher yes. ceiling of skills and what humans are typically good at yeah. which is making and inventing new things yeah and put the manufacturing to the robots mm -hmm. right well or even to the customers yeah in, in this case yeah but think about this for a second though um if those customers had access to titanium materials mm -hmm. the company would have never made Probably a titanium yeah, yeah. device and if you're a backpacking photographer mm -hmm. and you need dollies with you for whatever yeah. reason because you do video photography mm -hmm. then you can have the lightest possible yeah. design that the company was never going to make in the first place yeah lightest and also the strongest to go through all the elements that you have to go through yeah and if a component breaks mm -hmm. and just print it off yeah you can print or you can already have spare parts on hand <laughs> Like yeah. they're light, so why not? That's true. And, and I, fix them on the spot. And I think that's where this fundamental change in the market is going to be. Yes. Right. It's going to go some, towards something that's very design centric. Mm -hmm. We're going to start to view technology and tools as the means to make something versus yeah. the focus of the thing. Yeah. And if we can start to look and have access to the workflow. And have access to the skill it's going to be a very different economic uh landscape yeah um not just in north america but anywhere that is looking to well move towards 21st century way of doing things yeah okay. which so. I, I think will be coming very soon as right now adst curriculum mm -hmm. um steam curriculum that's happening in canada and us um we're putting so much emphasis on it all these new graduates will have all those designing skills that's necessary to utilize these technology to its full potential i would say yeah yeah, yeah. i it's going to be pretty exciting it's going to be exciting for any new businesses yeah that are going to be ha like that's going to be around the world and i think it opens up the door this whole idea of decentralized manufacturing mm -hmm. it's going to open up new doors for entities existing businesses to also change yeah um UPS as an example, I think it was UPS. They brought up an investment that they were gonna do into logistics, but three D printing. They were gonna That's outfit. <laughs> they were gonna outfit their UPS stores with three D printers. I think it was back in 2015 or 2014 yeah. when they made this announcement. It never came into fruition in full. Yeah. Okay. Um, at least we haven't seen it in full yet. Yeah. Uh, and I think they may be still investing in this. Yeah. So we'll probably do a little bit of digging on this, but the issue that arose was ultimately they were going to print with plastics yeah and plastics can only go so far mm -hmm. so when more of these accessible metal powder based printers come around yeah and they become more affordable the powder becomes more affordable yes. um 
And these entities, whether it be Home Depot or UPS or whatever, can be the go-to place to get these things done. Mm -hmm. I think we'll start to see a lot more unique things come around. I mean, business model change. Yeah. UPS won't be shipping things anymore. They'll be yeah. literally sending your thing to the closest UPS place. Yeah. So essentially um, what you're saying is, if I had a model that I wanted to be printed and I don't have a 3D printer at home, I send it to UPS, they print it off, and then I go pick it up? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I, that could be. It's like a, it's like a FedEx Kinko type of thing with yeah. paper, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think you... I think you get into a very interesting change in yeah, that, how that, business economics work. That's a, literally a huge difference than what they're doing right now, logistics. Yeah. You, uh, keep in mind, you won't have finished products, right? So in the business world, like even for us, we're shipping parts from vendors to us yeah. and we're doing the QC on the part and yeah. we're making sure that it's done right and we're doing it just in time. Uh -huh. This system of additive manufacturing allows you to to do just in time, mm -hmm. but it won't be an assembled iPhone. It yeah. won't be your assembled PC tablet, yeah. right? But if you're a business and you're making things and you have components, mm -hmm. you're naturally already shipping them. Yeah. So why not cut out the portion of the shipping that is the furthest point and then go to the closest UPS store or wherever, yeah. Home Depot. Um, we're giving a lot of brand yeah. <laughs> shout outs here. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, just do the last mile. Yeah, well, most, most often, literally, the shipping from one place to the other place is it's the most price ever to get the final product in your hand. Yeah. So if you take that out, then you have more capital to actually invest in designing and actually probably tweaking your product. Or even marketing and sales. Yeah, or marketing and sales, yeah. Yeah. So huge changes, I think, um, in the next five to 10 years. Yeah. And a lot of it, I think, is going to be led by not just the metal technology yeah because you don't want to just go directly to metal it's too expensive yeah um it's going to be a whole encompassed ecosystem of really understanding filament-based machines mm -hmm. where to apply resin-based machines yeah then where to apply metal-centric machines yeah and if the business model makes a lot of sense and if the product makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. then you can actually pivot out of that and yeah. go into the more scalable design tools mm -hmm. so sorry fabrication tools which is metal injection molding and plastic injection molding. If you're getting into the into the volume of, let's just say, 100,000 plus. Yeah. Right. Um, and also CNC. Don't leave out CNC. CNC is very much still in this picture, but it's a, yeah. it's a subtractive e equation. Yeah. And I think it means if you look at iPhones, mm -hmm. they're CNC. Oh, I didn't know that. Right. The, the back casing, assuming it's the metal based ones, mm -hmm. um, it's CNC out, out of a, 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 piece of, a piece of metal. Hmm. And yet they can still get the price point where they want, right? So well, if you think about it, if they adopt using three D printer instead, they actually save a lot instead of wasting all that material from CNC yeah. because you can't reuse it. Yeah, using a three D printer would actually save cost and actually save material cost. Yeah, I well. think they can still melt it down, like they can oh, melt the shaving back down. Oh. I would assume so. Some kind of recycling process hmm. probably is in there, but again, it's another process that's energy intensive, yeah. and then they have to recover yeah. the product, right? Uh, whereas 3D printing, you can recover 50% of the powder yeah. after you use it, and you can just recycle it with virgin yeah. material back in. So it's it's definitely a different process, but there's nothing mm -hmm. also stopping them from going to metal injection molding, which gets them the rough shape, and then they just yeah. mill everything back out afterwards. Mm -hmm. So True. Um, understanding that whole entire manufacturing workflow, the production of things workflow, yeah. can help a business go from very, very small scale production, let's just say yeah. 5 to 10, 
to a thousand or ten thousand or twenty thousand, mm -hmm. and then all the way to a hundred thousand plus, even up to upwards of a million. Yeah. But it's not going to be with just one technology. No. Um, you can make three D printers produce a lot of parts. You just need a lot of three D printers. Yeah. Um, and then it comes into the play. It comes into the question of. Do you do it through automation? So do you have a robotic arm doing everything? Mm -hmm. So then no one is running it, or is it two people running a hundred machines and yeah. stuff like that? It's an interesting future, I think. Um, yeah. And I think we're setting ourselves up for what that future looks like mm -hmm. by looking at number one, the ecosystem of three D printers, the materials, yeah. the design, and then scalable, deployable, mm. micro factory type of situ situ yeah. situations. Yeah. I think that's it. Yes, yeah. for today. Well, I, yeah, I guess that's everything. Yeah. We wanted to cover the direction on where 3D printing is going, where tinkering is going, um, and just hope that actually, I guess, gives a light into what everyone was wondering where where the industry is going. It's a I think the industry is still in a bit of a COVID moment. Everyone is still really looking at how can they help. Yeah. There's there, With, there's still a lot of COVID yeah. stuff happening. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Um, but but I, I think the industry is as itself the three D printing industry yeah. still spearheading forward. Well, uh, it's it's because of COVID everything's shut down, and then that's where everyone had a three D printer at home was like, how can I help? Mm -hmm. What can I do with my three D printer to help? I mean, help the situation right now. That actually jump-started the discussion quite a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And I think uh, it's going to now, uh, it's now going to be a different question that gets asked. It's how is 3D printing going to be for the global supply chain yeah. moving forward from this yeah. point out? And how is it going to be in the next five years? Because businesses are now going to start wondering, can I get one of these because it helps me out? Yeah. Um, and the more of these go out, the better it is for well, everyone in the. In there, the there's already a lot of industries that are adopting this, as we mentioned, BMW, which is automotive. Mm -hmm. Not only BMW, also Audi is also taking a, taking a, a spearhead into also having things 3D printed. Yeah. And then there's also you're looking at the other industries like aerospace and uh, probably defense, like um, army or anything like that. And then you're also looking at medical and dental as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, dental, probably not a lot of people know, but there are um, use for it. First of all, sometimes you see those retainers. Mm -hmm. Those are, I believe, they're resin. Invisalign type of things? Yeah, yeah Invisalign so. type of things. Those are 3D printed because um, with 3D printing, you get a lot of customizations. You can make one-offs. Yeah. Yeah. And Or you can use a metal powder um, 3D printer to actually print those bolts for uh, fake teeth. Oh, like crowns and stuff that yeah. you put into? Yeah, yeah I, can, I can definitely see yeah, it. Yeah, so th that's actually another uh, industry that's actually looking a lot into powder, metal powder of 3D printing. Yeah, and then we've also talked significantly about this in the mm -hmm. past with all the companies we've pulled up in the past, yeah. uh, whether that be cement printing or you know yeah. some of those other more grander, crazier ideas, mm -hmm. uh, they're gonna start to be explored in whole. Yeah, um, it makes sense. I don't know if we should get into cement printing. I mean, those infrastructures are huge. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the, the, where we, I think, fit in is the tabletop slash medium size. Yeah, medium size. Um, and with all the knowledge base that we built around the FDM side, 
the motion controls and, and yeah. everything, uh, and all the knowledge in, in terms of what we know about um, how to make some of the other technologies come into fruition. Yeah. I think that's the place we focus in first. Well, and, I mean, we, we talked about at the start of the episode is right now, the barrier into 3D printing or metal powder 3D printers are the cost. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the biggest barrier right now, and only bigger corporations can actually afford this technology like BMW. 10 million euros right um so, not a lot of smes yeah. can actually put 10 million euros into yeah. something so with small and medium businesses having a smaller printer or a medium-sized printer that actually right now don't really exist they don't it, it will actually open a lot of doors for them yeah well i think that wraps everything up yep yeah well you know as we as we continue to develop this i think using ching chat as a way to talk about some of these things or even showcase some of these things because mm-hmm. as we develop these other platforms we want to make sure that we're able to share with you guys um and then also share what the industry is doing as well yeah of course so well, yeah well um if you guys actually have any questions or comments comment down below and also let us know what you think where 3d printing is going is do you think if uh, metal 3d powder has a future or anything like that or anything that you would want to print with it what would yeah what would yeah, you what, like to what print would you it, like right? yeah and i mean metals can do a lot yeah um yeah what would you do yeah what would you do with it and, and i know what we would do yeah there's so many little projects <laughs> yeah. that i think we can tackle that would just showcase the application of it but i think we'll wait until we have some of that technology mm-hmm. in place yeah so we can actually act- we can actually make a couple of them yeah, so let us know in the comment below and also remember to, to uh, subscribe to our channel and also press the bell button for the latest uh, notification for an episode when we release it. And um, this is also available on Spotify and Anchor for podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Well, I think that's a wrap. Mm-hmm. We'll see them next, next time. episode. Yeah. Cool. Okay.